Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. Here we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you lead better now. I'm your guest host, Jay Pickering, and on this episode, we're going to talk about Christian strategies for relocation, employment, safety, and cultural impact. So Aaron, many Christians are very concerned about the rapid demise of our culture, totalitarianism, forced vaccinations, etc. And some are thinking of fleeing or, or moving. Can you talk about the conversations that you've been having lately with people about this subject? Yeah, so this is something uh, I think a lot of Christians are thinking about and many, many are are talking about. When you look around at what's happening in Canada, it's like, wow, are we not on a rapid decline? You know, people are concerned politically about the rise of communistic tendencies, about Marxism in our, our country. But then very practically, we have people, I just heard of another couple in our church today who are going to be losing their jobs because they won't get double jabbed and Mm -hmm. others are being coerced. They're concerned about the future of education for their children. Uh, They're concerned about safety issues. Um, A lady in our church yesterday was pushing her grocery grocery cart through a, through a lot in another city with her less than two week old granddaughter. And some guy rushed at her with his car and then rolled the window down and said, well, you tried to kill me. You weren't wearing a mask. I'm going to kill you. So we see a lot of insanity taking place in Canada, people losing jobs, concern for their kids, et cetera. So there's lots of conversation. So let me just kind of frame this up and say, uh, humanly speaking, this is scary stuff. It is scary stuff. And I understand from a human perspective why a lot of people are experiencing some fear. But I want to encourage my listeners that this is an incredible time to be a Christian. Yeah. You know, previous generations have suffered in all sorts of ways, and we've been blessed as a result of their suffering and sacrifice. And we have an opportunity to do that, to to do the same for the next generation. So, yes, uh, there are concerns about people's jobs. There's concerns about people's children. Uh, and, you know, a lot of folks across our province, because we get messages from them all the time, don't mm-hmm. even have a church that's open within a couple hundred kilometers. So these, this is, these are some of the reasons why uh, people are thinking about relocating or moving. Now, um, I know of several folks who've thought about moving to other countries, and if you have, the problem with that, in my view, is uh, that you're sort of scattering the sheep you know, to the four corners of the earth, so to speak. And because we live in a globalistic world, which was unlike North America, when let's say the Puritans came here where they just could show up and do what they wanted, mm-hmm. uh, this this global movement towards communism, towards Marxism, towards statism, it's, it's all over the place. So even if you find yourself down in some of the big southern cities in the United States, they're probably only four or five years behind us anyway. Um, certainly bigger cities like New York and that are probably ahead of us in this regard. So the big question is, and, and by the way, the reason, the reason why this is happening around across the world, just to, to, to bring clarity to this, is because historically for 1,500 years, Western cultures would base their laws, civil laws, criminal laws on God's word. It wasn't necessarily word for word scripture verses, but they, they would base their laws on God's word. We've 
tossed aside God's word and we've put man's word in, in place. So we have all sorts of crazy laws that are detrimental to people's ability to work, to worship, to raise their children, et cetera. So lots of people talking about it. The question is, what do we do? And this is what I think is going to pique people's interest in this particular podcast. I want to be very practical. What do we do? Well, we could do nothing, but that's not an option if you're a thinking person. We could pretend it doesn't exist, but that's not a great option because <laughs> you're going to be affected by it if you don't act or react in some way. You can run away. There's actually biblical precedent for fleeing. But my my preference right now, because I don't think the rest of the world is much better, is we need to be more strategic. Mm -hmm. Okay, we need to be more strategic as Christians. Christians are terrible, generally speaking, at strategy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're just going to pray about it. Yeah. We're just going to get on social media and, and tweet about it or post uh, Facebook posts and make people mad. We're not very strategic. Minority groups are strategic. When people come here from other countries that are part of uh, religious or ethnic minorities, what do they do? They hunker down in certain neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. They take over certain cities. You think of Dearborn, Michigan, across the border. Almost the entire t city is Islamic. It's very strategic. Christians don't think that way. It's like each man for himself. So I believe one of the best strategies for us to consider as Christians, and again, this is what I want to unpack today, is we need to identify some strategic areas in our provinces and those that are able and willing need to move there. Now, there are some folks that feel very called to a specific community and they will stay there no matter what happens, to be a gospel witness, to be salt and light, whatever. There are a, a few people that cannot move because of um, you know, maybe health considerations. They need to be mm -hmm. near a specialty doctor, a clinic or whatever. But one of the things I, I'm really encouraging people to consider is interprovincial movements. If we could establish two or three beachheads, I'll call them, in each province and get thousands upon thousands of Christian people or people that at least think like Christians, Christianized people, to move to those areas, we can have a dramatic impact in the educational system, the business culture, certainly municipal, provincial, and federal politics. So um, strategic relocations uh, are a big number. This is all about numbers. The, the government knows that if they can get the majority to follow their agenda, they win. Mm -hmm. If we can, if, if we're scattered all over the place and we're just, you know, a few percentage points in this municipality and a few percentage points of the vote in this municipality, we're going nowhere fast. But if we can get people to condense themselves into strategic communities and set up businesses, et cetera, I believe this is a really good plan for people to consider. Right, right. Yeah. And it, I know many are asking, where in the Bible can I find some direction for times like this? And so what are some of the key scripture passages that are uh, that might play a role in the debate about staying versus fleeing? Because I know many are thinking that. Sure. Yeah. So, it, you know, if you go to Ma Matthew chapter 10, by the way, is a chapter everybody should be reading right now because it talks about persecution and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting in Matthew chapter 10, there's this little piece of advice there that if you're in a town and you're doing gospel ministry— and they don't listen to you and they're persecuting you, it actually says flee to another town, right? Flee yeah. to another town. So this idea of um, sort of declaring a town to be Ichabod, the Lord has departed, it's not an unbiblical thought. Like some fields are not ripe unto harvest. You're literally just banging your head against a wall. Some areas, I mean, they could change with God's sovereign work. We, yeah, believe we have a sure. high view of the sovereignty of God. But chances are they're going to be the same next year that they are this year. Um, so when we're doing ministry as Christians, 
uh, we want to maintain a high view of God's sovereignty. That's critical, mm. but we don't want to throw strategy and thoughtfulness out the doors if somehow that's a carnal pursuit. God is a practical God. And in Matthew chapter 10, there's a clear injunction there that if, if ministry is not quote unquote happening in one town, go to someplace where it is. So there, there are, uh, there is this biblical principle that sometimes people have to get out of Dodge, so to mm-hmm. speak, whether that's out of the country, out of the province, out of the city. So that's, that's one. So right. when people in our church have talked about moving, I say, look, that's not immoral. That's, that's a moral action. I'll bless you in that. But the other side of the coin is, if you look at passages like Revelation 2, it's like, well, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Mm-hmm. Let, let me say this like super clearly. You need to remember this if you're listening to this. Look, let's not get on all these people that are, are terrified of the virus, terrified of COVID-19, terrified of dying, and we're wagging our fingers at them. Stop being afraid. Stop fear-mongering. And then at the same time, be terrified of tyrants and terrified of our children being taken away and terrified of our family being taken away. Like we're not, we're called to be fearless as Christians. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Revelation 2, uh, it talks about don't don't fear what you are about to suffer. So it actually presupposes the fact you're mm-hmm. going to suffer, but don't, don't be afraid of that. Right. God will do a miraculous work through our suffering. However, however, we don't throw ourselves in the in the crosshairs of right, suffering right. either. So we can mitigate against suffering by fighting back culturally for our families. Yeah, we're going to suffer. It's, we're never going to be, this isn't heaven yet. But at the same time, what I want to see people do is balance. Okay, balance protecting your family, protecting your assets, protecting your own self and protecting those around you with robust cultural impact, not either or. Right? right, not either or. So we have to find a middle ground where we're not uh, retreating to the point that we have no more influence on culture. We're just sort of waiting mm-hmm. for the, the sky to fall. We have to be both engaged in culture, gospel ministry. We're not just going to form Christian communities where we, do, we don't talk to Christ, uh, non-Christians anymore. We want to continue to influence politics, education, the medical care system, but at the same time, be more strategic, protect one another, get close to one another. We need people to move to strategic areas, to set up businesses, parental schooling networks, to get you know, to, to build up strong churches so that we can push back against mm-hmm. this cultural onslaught. And this is not a five-year plan. It has to happen now. And then the fruit of that is going to be a multi-generational uh, endeavor, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's faith in action, really. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot more than let go and let God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so in your mind, what do you think people should be doing in this regard? And, and what are your thoughts on leaving Canada or relocating? Well, again, I think leaving Canada is is an option. Um, you know, I, I was trying to provide some direction to people early on. So, you know, we researched, um, you know, would it be possible to establish some sort of an outpost in the Maritimes, um, West Africa? There's a couple mm-hmm. countries in South America we looked at, some places in the U.S., and there's a couple factors. Uh, and again, I want to bless people that make those decisions. This podcast really isn't so much for those that have already left the country or are planning on leaving the country. Um, I think there are some positives to that. You mm-hmm. you can sort of, um, if you can find a place that's more freedom-minded, you might be able to tap on the brakes a little bit. But I can guarantee you, well, as best as I can guarantee anything, that we have a, a broken worldview in the West 
And so what's happening in Australia, which is really bad, mm -hmm. is happening to a slightly lesser degree in Canada and to a slightly lesser degree in the US, but it's happening everywhere, right? right? So it's a matter of degree. It's really a matter of degree. There's no place that's truly safe on earth. <laughs> yeah. So I want to bless people that are moving. And, you know, we're even working on planting a, a sister church potentially down in the Southern States for some of our folks that are headed that way. But um, I, I just want to remind people that throughout history, it's always the minority that have ultimately made the lasting changes when when the majority fails to abide by God's law, when the majority fails to stand for righteousness, it's always by necessity the minority that stands up. And sometimes they take a beating for it. Mm -hmm. But we we have been blessed. So we're here today. You think of all the blessings we have as you know recipients of the values of Western civilization. We have that because historically small groups, minority groups stood up. Some of them again took a huge beating. They stood up for righteousness, they stood up for truth, they stood up for justice. And it only takes a small minority of people to replicate themselves, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's good people, good moral, virtuous people that are going to have higher birth rates that are going to affect future generations. We're the ones that are going to be starting businesses, contributing to the good of society, starting charitable organizations, preaching the gospel into the community. So there's nothing wrong with being in the minority, and I have a heart for my country. You know, my ancestors came here a few hundred years ago, so some of my French ancestors to Quebec and, you know, later Irish and English ancestors and whatnot. And I have a heart for this country. I, I want to stay. I want to fight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I look around and, um, you know, I see so many sheep without a shepherd, so many people lost, hurting. And our church and our community and a few other faithful churches like ours are having a dramatic impact on people's lives. God is doing an incredible work and I wanna invite people to be part of that. So while uh, international moves are an option, I I'm I'm an advocate right now for interprovincial relocation. And um, I think there's some reasons for this that um, uh, are pretty pretty important. So just because we're in Ontario, we'll use, we'll use Ontario as an option and I wanna speak yeah. about our municipality in a bit. But you look at a map, and um, you, there's just some realities to think about. Um, historically, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, minority groups already do this. Okay, so if if you go to big cities or bigger cities, you have you know Chinatown, you have uh, an Italian area, a lot of Italian restaurants, or even in terms of. Um, uh, you know, religious groups, you have areas of our city or again, Michigan, where high concentrations of Muslims move in. They're not completely disconnected from society, but they understand that there's power in numbers mm -hmm. and they can bless and encourage each other for living in the same area. Uh, Christians don't think that way because we used to be the majority. We forgot now we're the minority. So if you just study cultural demographics, well, Minority groups already do this and it works for them. So that's one reason for us to consider this. I also think what I've been quite surprised at, there's so few leaders in Canada that are willing to stand up and fight this stuff. There's very few. Yeah. Like even among my pastoral colleagues, hundreds and hundreds of them are saying nothing. They've just bowed and buckled. So 
people need to look at maps and say, where are the pastors? Where are the politicians that are speaking out? Those are the areas to, to consider moving to. Um, if we can get high numbers in strategic locations, there's greater safety. There's mm-hmm. greater support, you know, for child raising, for you know, issues that people experience in life. There's opportunities for fellowship and friendship to mitigate against alienation. High numbers affect politics. Think about this, Jay. Mm -hmm. If we could get thousands upon thousands of people to move to our county, to Essex County, and out of that, people run for municipal politics, provincial politics, federal politics. We start putting our people into elected office. We play the long game. Mm -hmm. This this scares the establishment. They're going to think <laughs> twice about messing with our area. Also, we need high numbers for entrepreneurship. You and I talked about this, and I've talked to other people about it. The best jobs up till recently, people were like, I want to work for the city of Windsor. I want to yeah. work for the federal government or <laughs> yeah. the province, or I want to be a firefighter or a police officer or work for a big corporation, right? Or work yeah. on the other side of the border. Now these are the worst jobs because yeah. you're just getting tossed. Nobody cares. Too bad you didn't get double jabbed. You don't follow our ideology. You're out. Nurses that have worked through the whole COVID crisis, you're done. Yeah. Well, I think if you look back in hindsight, one of the mistakes we've made as Christians is we've relied too much upon other people for our daily bread. Godless Mm -hmm. people, godless corporations, federal corporations, provincial municipal corporations. Christians need to get back into Christian entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And I know there are many that already do this. Not everybody's designed for this. But if we get people en masse moving into an area, starting their own businesses, and then employing like-minded people, uh-huh. we have our own economy, you know, in part, within reason. Right. So this is this is um, kind of an important strategic move as well. I also think, and, and some might maybe bristle at this, but um, so I, I am neither, uh, I'm not a, a big church guy and I'm not a small church guy. It mm-hmm. bothers me when people put out these ridiculous comments, you know, the smaller churches are more authentic or bigger <laughs> churches are better. No, they're not. Okay, the culture, the doctrine, the, the faithfulness of a church is what matters, whether there's 10 people or 10,000 people attending right. it. So I'm, I, I, I happen to pastor a big church, probably the biggest church in Canada that stood up against this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm going to make this point. When the world looks out at the Christian community and they see, you know, a church of 30 people or 100 people sort of pushing back, they're just like, whatever, blow them off. Mm-hmm. When you have churches of 500, 1,000, 1,500 pushing back against the government, that causes them to think twice. Yeah. And so when, I'm not saying this is nece- necessary long term or that bigger churches are better, but in a crisis, bigger churches are better. Because bigger churches carry a very big baseball bat in the community. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have people in our church involved in politics, in various levels of government, in different corporations. And, you know, I, I happen I, I heard a story even this past week of a person that was at work and and they overheard the human resources department uh processing a religious exemption. And the person wasn't sure who the name was, but th- this uh, municipal worker said something to the effect of, oh, this is the real deal. These people go to Harvest Bible Church. <laughs> yeah. So if you, um, if, again, if you want to be naive, you can just poo-poo everything I've said. But if you want to be strategic, okay, we need to build big churches that, that are faithful, that carry a big baseball bat in the community. 
and then big businesses, and we need to get people involved in politics, et cetera. And um, have, helping people to live in intentional communities where there's support and encouragement when, you know, we're being hassled or persecuted or, or chased down by the authorities that be. So these are some reasons why I think this is pretty critical. Yeah. Now, you, you've answered a, a fair bit of this next question, but say a person now is considering a move. Um, what should they look for then in, in a new area? Yeah. And you've, you've addressed some of that already. And, and maybe you can even address what's happening in our region, Essex County. Yeah. So, um, so this might sound self-serving. I don't, I do not believe it is however, but I've done my research and I happen to think mm -hmm. that the area that we live in is one of the prime areas in Canada for people to relocate to. And I'm going to tell people why that's the case, but the principles that I will share you can use these principles to research other options as well. Right. And if you're in the United States and you're listening to this podcast and you have the same sort of things going on in your state, these are the same sorts of things that I would encourage you to be thinking about if you want to sort of get out of your town or your city or your, your, your state or whatever it might be and move to another area. So um, again, this is strategy. So here, here are some things that cross my mind. If, if, if I'm looking for a place to relocate my family. Well, I want ideally to go to a place that is a large Christian community that has been faithful to the cause of Christ, mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of ground zero. I wanna be able to go there and be around hundreds of other like-minded Christians. It doesn't mean that a large Christian community is gonna be the majority of the population. It could be a half a percent of the population. But if you're in an area where there's five, 10 other people that think like you, you know, it, it can be a little difficult to strategize and to push back. So in areas like this, where we have a couple thousand people that are allies, mm -hmm. you know, this is, this is a, a great area to consider. Also, um, look at your election map. So we just had a, a federal election right. and you can see all the results of that on 338 Canada. So if you go to 338 Canada and you look up your area, so we happen to be in southwestern Ontario, and you look at the regions in southwestern Ontario, and you're like, okay, well, the Conservative Party isn't very conservative, but if I were to add up those that voted for the Conservative Party and those, let's say, that voted for the PPC Party, which mm -hmm. which are is sort of the, the right-wing vote, so to speak, um, you can see like what percentage of the population tends to lean towards social political conservatism. And none of the big cities will break 50% on that. But our, our area, Chatham, Kent, Elgin, Middlesex, London, if you add those, those votes together, it's over 50% of the population. Right. So not in Windsor proper, but in Essex County surrounding Windsor through Chatham, Kent, and into the rural areas of Elgin, Middlesex, over 50% in all of those ridings voted either blue or purple. Right. So that says something mm -hmm. about sort of the cultural values of those areas. And then you also want to look at household income. Um, what's interesting is, and I didn't know this till recently, but Essex, the, the municipality of Essex, I'm fairly sure this is accurate if you look at the 338 maps, is has the highest per capita family income in all of southwestern Ontario. Wow. Um, so there's there's uh, that's a good thing, and, and a lot of that's because there's a lot of entrepreneurship going going on in the county. So that's something to look for. I think proximity to the USA is um, 
helpful. It's not maybe an absolute necessity, but we're a border region. So one of the things I think is great about Essex County is, you know, we have, we have, uh, we're right up against the U.S. So if things got really, really bad, well, we're just across the river. Um, If things are a little better, it provides greater employment opportunities because some people can work on both sides of, of the river. And it also it also means in a border area like this, you do have more American people living in our communities. Yeah. And that actually helps to increase the liberty because the liberty mindset. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, Americans just tend to get that a little bit more. They actually had to fight for their <laughs> independence and freedoms. We didn't. Yeah. We just inherited it from England, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a factor. Uh, housing prices. So I looked this up. The average house price in Ontario, ready to gulp? Is seven hundred and forty four thousand dollars. That's the <laughs> average. Yeah, that's the average. Wow. Okay. I was talking to a fellow up in the Waterloo region, and he says there's basically nothing under five fifty. I think it was. Well, uh, R- Windsor. So now we're not we're not just talking about the county, but the city of Windsor is ranked number one as the most affordable city in Ontario with a population of over a hundred thousand people. Wow. So you and I have lived in Windsor for decades, yeah, and the prices of housing have gone up a lot here as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to help those outside of the area understand this, if you go to realtor.ca today, there's 388 houses listed in Essex County under 400,000. And there's 274 uh, properties listed for under 300,000. So compared to other areas of the province, again, it's not dirt cheap. Right. You know, we'd all like to get houses for 10 bucks. <laughs> But um, it's not dirt cheap, but it is a more affordable area if you want to stay within Ontario. So if you're in another state or another province, those are the kinds of factors that I think you want to look for. Mm-hmm. A few other things. One of the things I like about a couple of municipalities around Windsor, so Amherstburg and Essex, for example, which are two municipalities within the county of Essex, is if you have the proper setbacks, you can build two houses on one rural property. Right. So if two families want to go in and buy a rural property, you know, share the pasture, share Mm -hmm. the barns and stuff. There's opportunities in the bylaws to actually build two houses on the same property, not two different addresses. Right. The one house has to be smaller and behind or beside the other. But this is a factor that some municipalities don't allow for. Right. Um, Are there good parental schooling networks? Because most liberty-minded people are realizing that the public system is defunct. Like we want Christians to still teach in that as missionaries. But it's probably not great to send your five-year-old there to be a missionary, you know, because they're going to be subject to the ideologies of their teacher. Yeah. One other thing about our – a couple of things about our area that I think are um, persuasive is, especially in the greenhouse industry out around Harrow, Ruthven, uh, Amherstburg, Leamington, even out to Wheatley, we bring in thousands upon thousands of migrant workers to work in those industries. Now they're not like $100,000 a year paying jobs, but if someone wants a job, Mm -hmm. uh, there are greenhouse workers that want to hire domestic workers. So there's there's potentially thousands of jobs available in those industries. And even for, you know, accountants and, you know, construction workers and this sort of thing. So that's a pretty big booming happening industry. And I was talking recently to, um, you know, a local owner of a greenhouse um, uh, out in the Leamington area who's a Christian. And they're like, yeah, we'd, we'd much rather employ people who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some job opportunities there. The climate's good. We're one of the most, uh, we're, you know, we're south as you can get in Canada. So one of the most warm climates. 
So I, I think Essex County is a great consideration. We actually have some folks coming from out of the area tomorrow to tour this area. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in having a conversation with us about our area, that's fine. But the principles uh, ultimately have, need to be led by the Lord. Those principles apply to other areas. Those are just some things to think mm-hmm. about, right? So the Christian population, the, uh, you know, the election maps, the household income, proximity to the U.S., uh, housing prices, schooling networks, jobs, climate, you know, th- these kinds yeah. of things are critical. Yeah. So it's, open your eyes, look around, see what's happening, strategy, yeah, things that we're exactly. not necessarily that great at to mm-hmm. start with, but certainly need to grow in. Um, so what have you been doing, Aaron? What, and what's the church been doing to guide people who may be transitioning, moving to other areas or even our area? Yeah. So th- this this whole conversation, I, I can't even imagine, I can't even believe we're having it on, I got to like pinch myself, am I in a dream? Because I just never thought a couple of years ago, we'd be talking about forming beachheads in our country. You know, we're a freedom loving nation. Yeah. But the reality is that um, the two jabs are never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you've had your two jabs, I can tell you that's not going to be enough. Your freedom's not going to be given back to you because you have two jabs. Your job yeah. is not secure because you have two jabs. We're fighting a corrupt worldview. This, I'm predicting, is going to be tied into climate change. It's going to be tied into all, the loss of all sorts of liberties and freedoms if we don't fight back mm-hmm. as groups, as large groups. So what are we doing? Well, we're just putting it on people's radar. So I like to think strategically. I'm just putting this on your radar, listener. I want you to be thinking this way, thinking about the options. And I know many of you are. If folks want to come down and visit our area, we'll tour them around. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll help them out. We'll, we'll put them in contact with a, uh, a real estate agent. We'll introduce them to folks in our church. We'll invite them to come worship with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord's doing an amazing thing. So whatever we can do to accommodate, what would be super cool is if we could find um, you know, some developers that would even develop mm-hmm. areas for liberty-minded, freedom-loving people. But minimally, um, you know, uh, we can show you some maps and kind of show you some areas to do some house hunting in that, uh, you know, will put you in um, proximity to more people that are are like-minded and willing to to fight the good fight. Yeah, and even that's helpful for those who are in this area already living maybe in the city that want to get out into the county somewhere. Yeah, so, so um, there's kind of two f- kinds of folks, right? Those that want to live in the city and those that want to live mm-hmm. outside the city. Now, normally that relates to whether you want, you know, chickens or, you know, a <laughs> yeah. Persian cat. So, yeah. um, you know, the Persian cat people stay in the city, right? Yeah. But now I think people are realizing um, the, the the cities, okay, are, are pretty much all woke, yeah. right? All the cities are woke. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not great opportunities to work in the cities mm-hmm. and to do church in the cities and even live in the cities. But um, strategically identifying neighborhoods, if you want to live in the city to move to, is pretty important. So, mm-hmm. you know, we we can kind of show people some of those areas that have great potential. Um, but for, I, I think a lot of folks, even if they live in the city, are like, you know, it's probably wiser to live in the county. Now, when mm-hmm. you go to the county, you're generally talking about more rural environment, but there are some small towns. There's junctions, there's mm-hmm. hamlets in the county that, um, you know, might have 10, 20, 15, 100 houses in it that over time could be bought up by Christian people. And, you know, you just kind of develop a bit of a Christian community there. Mm-hmm. 
again, not not disconnecting yourself from the world. You're still going to go to work. You're still going right. to interact with lost people. But having a bit of a, a reprieve, you know, when you come home yeah. at night, you're not worried about your neighbor looking over the fence <laughs> at you to see if you're holding a house church. Yeah. Or, um, you know, people pestering you about uh, health protocols or vax passports or these sorts of things. Um, we also want to put people in touch with businesses that we know of that are already resisting and standing up. So, yeah. I mean, you and I, um, you know, we're, we're done with the, the restaurants and the coffee shops mm -hmm. that are promoting vax passports. But we know of a little coffee shop not too yeah, far from do. here that's freedom-minded. I want to mm -hmm. support this kind of stuff. Yeah. So these are the sort of things that, you know, we want people to be uh, thinking about. So there's opportunities in the city. There's opportunities in the county. Um, one thing I know a lot of younger families are like, oh man, we live in the city and you know, our house is worth X number of dollars. We can't move to the county. It's, it's too much money. You know, right. we want five acres or three acres or whatever. Well, again, if you go to a municipality where you can build two houses on the same property, call your brother, your cousin, someone mm -hmm. you trust and love, go in on a property together. You each have your house or you duplex the big farmhouse and you share the pastures and the barns and that. It's, you have more freedom doing that than living in a subdivision right up next door to someone. Yeah. So these are just creative ideas. Um, if if you can find development land in a municipality that you could develop, you know, be strategic. Mm -hmm. I'm only selling lots to like-minded people kind of thing. Right. Um, so uh, this is not, uh, I'm saying this all in, you know, so many minutes. It doesn't just happen like that. Yeah. But resolving that you're going to make a move identifying an area and starting to look strategically is the first step. And you might need to move to an area in a, you know, in a, into a less than ideal house or apartment or whatever for a bit, and then kind of familiarize yourself with the area and then buy something permanent, whatever. Mm -hmm. But these are some things for people to be, uh, to be thinking about um, in terms of protecting their family, protecting their assets. Again, not completely. We're mm -hmm. never, we're never going to be fully bulletproof, so to speak. No. But it will increase our chances of being able to impact culture, which is what we're about. We want to impact culture for mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to bring his values to bear on this earthly kingdom because ultimately he's the king of this too, right? Yeah. This is his world yeah. and we're stewards of it. So that's kind of all part of our motive here. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. That's really helpful, actually. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that or, or final thoughts about this topic that you want to mention to the listeners? Well, I just want to underscore, don't be afraid, be strategic. Yeah. Don't live in fear. Yeah. Be strategic. Be wise. Fear will get you nowhere. Wisdom and strategy will get you a long way. And, um, you know, again, uh, we live in a physical world. Yes, we want to pray, want to preach the gospel, want to trust in the sovereignty of the Lord. But we also are dealing with corrupt political structures, mm -hmm. corrupt medical structures, corrupt educational structures, et cetera. And those are all governed and run by human beings, just like us. So we need to get into those roles and push back. People need to start businesses. They need to get on the CS board, the school board, and run for political office. And if you're a Christian teacher, become the principal and then superintendent as quickly as you can, yeah. right? Like move up the ladder yeah. and influence downward. But in order to do that, you need to be supported because none of us are bulletproof. Mm -hmm. We need to be supported. We need to be surrounded by a strong, robust community of Christians. Mm -hmm. And being in the old days, it was great to sort of scatter people all across the province to plant little churches everywhere and to try to be a gospel impact. Like, that's great. 
-hmm. But in times of uh, cultural war, that's not very strategic to have a few soldiers over here, a few over here, a few down here. They're all mm -hmm. getting picked off. So I think we need to um, encourage people to relocate to strongholds, to form beachheads, and to um, you know make a difference. And it, it needs to be grassroots. Okay, mm -hmm. so I have no intention of um, you know sending out flyers or this kind of thing, you know, letting everybody in the world know what we're doing so they can hike up real estate prices or yeah. turn us away. But it needs to be grassroots, people talking to their neighbors, their friends, their colleagues, and strategically looking at uh, these kinds of options. And hopefully, you know, in a few generations, if we're successful at this, we can kind of fan back out mm -hmm. into some of the darker regions of our province and country and replant robust churches and that sort of thing. I mean, there always will be, um, you know, faith, uh, faithful remnants of Christians scattered here and there, but they're going to be far and few in between, right? Just like you go to Saudi Arabia, good luck finding an evangelical church. So, um, you know, that that's just that's just the reality of our circumstances. Yeah. Well, that's good. You have something else you want to say? Yeah, there's one other yeah. thing I just okay. want to say. <laughs> I want to just brag on God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because this Sunday we're baptizing another, I think, 20 people, yeah, which amen. is super That's cool awesome. at the church. And uh, I think that puts us well over 100, something like that, since um, you know the end of the first lockdown. Maybe more. I can't remember now. <laughs> but we've had several baptisms. Lots of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage the listeners, look, um, yes, times are dark. Yes, things are difficult. Yes, some of the stuff we see makes us want to puke. Yeah. <laughs> and people are subject to a lot of injustice but the Lord is doing a beautiful work and we're going to stand beside each other and with, with each other and just try to be a blessing to each other to the best of our abilities. Awesome. It is, like you said in the beginning, it is a great time to be a Christian. It is. Yeah, it is. Well, as always, Aaron, thank you for bringing clarity and for bringing wisdom to the table. And uh, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. Please subscribe to our podcast and check out other episodes as well as other podcasts on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network of podcasts. You can also find this particular podcast by downloading the Fight, Laugh, Feast app on all major podcast platforms or on the CJXC online radio on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So enjoy your day and know that you are loved. 